0: David's confidence in the Lord, I want you to see this, his confidence in the Lord is solid. It is unmovable and it is inspiring he has such a clear understanding of God's position in all of this and he understands his role he's not trying to be God he's not trying to carry something that God hasn't given him to carry David knows he comes in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel so he understands God's authority and that it's not an airy-fairy make-believe thing but it is real power If David were to focus on reality and facts, he would drop the food and go home. But he knows who his God is. And he knows who he is. So that when someone was insulting the people of God, the God of his people, he's like, wait a minute. And his answer was not to go back to the pasture to only pray about it. There's a moment where we actually have to do something. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Last week, we decided, we decided, we started, because we decided, a new series called Rain in Life, which is our third big value of the church. And it comes from a scripture in Romans 5.17, where Paul says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. How many of you want to reign in life Ten of you, where's the rest? Who wants to reign in life with Jesus? All right, it is possible. The first thing we need to realize is it's possible because Paul says so. He says, through Jesus in this one, it is possible for us to reign in life. As I was meditating on the scripture this week, I realized something. Paul said, by one man's offense, death reigned. He's referring to Adam. How many of you know, if you read Genesis, that Eve was the one who took the fruit the first time and gave it to the husband who then ate it? But who is being held responsible? Can you see God's order even in this, men of God? We need to stand that place full with the leading of God. That's just a little side note that's important for us to know. Last week, who can tell me what I spoke about last week? Anyone? Well done. It came back to my wife. Well done. Trust is a must. Don't let it rust. And we spoke about the story of Gideon and how that he went from not trusting God because of his difficult circumstances to trusting God because he had a sign and he had a visitation from an angel, to reigning in life, literally as a judge, he reigned over the people of God. But when he had a victory and he started to relax in his trust of God and started to trust in himself and what he can create, that's when things went off track again. And we saw how important it is for us to trust God completely. And how important it is for us to not apply the way we trust people to the way we trust God. In other words, we can't, when people let us down, we feel that trust is broken. We can't take that same system in our relationship with God. Because if we have an expectation that God will do one thing and He doesn't, then we will go, I don't trust Him anymore. But God is God. And we need to approach Him with complete trust even when it doesn't make sense, especially when it doesn't make sense. Amen? If you missed that, please go listen to it. I believe it's an important foundation for the rest of this series. We can't reign in life if we don't trust God completely. All right. The second topic that we're going to delve in today, it's not a clever play on words, (laughs) the title. Uh, But as I was reading, it's amazing how some weeks I start on a Monday, and I'm like, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to preach about. And then God just, every week it's a little different, the way He starts to speak to me and minister to me about what to teach on. Sometimes I know a few weeks in advance, but at the moment it's really I'm walking by faith, and His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path, but not a spotlight to the next couple of weeks. Um, And I love that. I love that. Walking in relationship. So, the title today is, In the Name of the Lord of Hosts. I want you to look at that picture for a moment. I don't choose pictures randomly. They are always with a purpose. I had another picture that I first wanted to use, but I thought it might be a bit graphic. It's, a, it's of a um, statue where David had already decapitated Goliath and standing with his head in it. <laughs> And I kind of, I just, I like the expression on David's face. He was like. (laughs) So I was very tempted to use that one. But I think this is a bit more appropriate. Um, So what you can see there is a man reading his Bible. And because he's reading his Bible, he is ready in the same way that David was ready for the giant. And he doesn't even look up to see the giant. I kind of like that. All right. So first of all, we need to know that the Bible promises us that we will face trials and tribulations tough times suffering it's not a matter of if we will have tough times it's a matter of when we will have tough times if anyone else has sold you a gospel where they tell you once you give your life to Jesus it's going to be plain sailing and easy they lied to you it is not in the word of God I can give you at least four verses that say the exact opposite, and one of them is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, for in me you will have peace, for I have overcome this world. So it's a truth statement of what we are to expect, but then a promise that if we stay with Him and in Him and close to Him, that we can get through it. Amen? James 1 says, uh, count it all joy when trials of various kinds come your way. Because it'll build character. It'll give you a hope and a future. You will be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. How many of you want to be perfect, complete, lacking nothing? I know I want to. Count it all joy when trials of various kinds come your way. Being perfect, complete, lacking nothing comes at a cost. Romans 5 tells us that we need to glory in tribulation. That's the first time I saw glory as a verb. How do I do glory? You, you focus on Jesus and you walk through it because that same verse promises a similar promise than the one in one in James 1. It says that you will build character, which will give you a hope and a future. So I need to, I'm saying this Because I need us to know as a church, as people who follow God, that we shouldn't wake up every day with the expectation that we won't have trials, tribulations, and challenges. When a whole week goes by where I've had none of that, I start going, and I'm not speaking death, and I'm not expecting bad things to happen, but I'm going like, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready. God has been preparing me for something, and it's become apparent. So... I know many of us have a picture of Jesus in our heads. And for the most part, for most of you, you've got a picture, and it's been probably very much influenced by whatever children's Bible you may have been exposed to as a young child or whatever movies you may have watched where they try to depict Jesus. All right, If you watched one of the old ones and you're a bit older, you may think he has clear blue eyes and Spanish, like, Spanish. what's it called? Cocker spaniel here. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. He was a Middle Eastern Jew when he was in human form. But we have a picture, right? Most of you have a picture of a guy with a white robe and a blue sash holding a lamb. Right? Be honest. All right. Some of you would say, you know, describe him as meek and mild Jesus. He just loves everybody. He's just nice all the time. That is true, but it's not the whole truth. It's not the whole Jesus, all right? I want to read you two passages to show you there's a different side to Jesus. Joshua 5, verse 13 to 15. Some of you may be going, wait, 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 Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. (laughs) Yes, he was quite a few times. Pretty much every time that you hear, it says an angel appeared to someone. And we saw it last week with the angel appearing to Gideon. It's, it alternates between angel and Lord. And many theologians will take those references and the words used there and show you that this is a, what they call uh, an Old Testament manifestation of Jesus. Okay, So, Read this along with me. Joshua 5, verse 13 to 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Now this is just before they were going to take the city of Jericho. So they are ready. He is vigilant. He is ready to take the city. That Joshua, he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? I love this. Joshua doesn't mince his words. So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua had a very special encounter with Jesus, the Lord, the commander of the army of the Lord. That is our Jesus, sword drawn, amen? Then we're going to skip right to the end of the Bible, to Revelation nineteen twelve to 16. This is a description of Jesus. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head there were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except himself knew. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and cleaned, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is our Jesus. Some of you are a little freaked out by that. I can see you getting uncomfortable. A rope dipped in blood, don't say that. I don't say that. The Word of God says that. He is the commander of the armies of heaven. That is our Jesus. He is kind because that's the fruit of the Spirit. He is loving because He is love. He is the Word of God. But he's also this man who stands for the justice and the righteousness of the Word of God. Amen? All right. We're going to talk about the story of David and Goliath. And I'm sure you've heard many sermons on this subject. And if for any moment right now you went, oh, I've heard this before. I want to ask you to please turn that attitude around to be expectant for what God wants to do right now. All right? Are you with me? Thank you. I'm going to highlight a few verses of the story of David before we get to the actual moment where they have the battle. All right? So 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. This is where Samuel, the prophet, who was the last judge, is called to anoint and appoint David as the next king of Israel. All right? 16 verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. He's talking about one of the other sons. For the Lord does not see as man sees. How do you see Jesus? How do you see yourself? How do you see other people? The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What did David become? How do we know David as later in his life? A man after God's own heart. He looks at the heart. So he sent and brought him in. Now, this is now, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. He, uh, Samuel asked the dad, don't you have any more sons? Because I've went through all of them and God said, it's not one of these. So he says, yeah, yeah I've got this one more. He's in the field looking after the sheep. <laughs> Bring him. So now it says, uh, sorry. So he sent and brought him in. Now, he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. The Bible Repeat this line a few times when speaking about David. Bright eyes, good looking. Why would the Bible say that? It's interesting. And the Lord said to Samuel, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Verse 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have, okay, so this is now back in the castle with, uh, okay, I'm trying to tell you the chronology chronology of the story, but it's a little tricky because in the beginning of the story, you you see that David comes to uh, appease Saul by playing the harp. And then we jump back to this storyline, and then later you realize Saul has never met this boy before. So it's a little interesting how they place the story. But in verse, what I want you to show is that is how David is described by someone at the castle with Saul or at the palace. Verse 18, then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the final big one, and the Lord is with him. Someone got all of that from someone else's son by just looking at them. Powerful. All right. Now we're going to jump ahead to the moment where David comes to, where the Israelite army is camped out, the Philistines on the opposite side, and Goliath, has been taunting, cursing the people of God for, a, for I think it's 40 days. And they are cowering. He's asking for them to send a champion, saying that if you send a champion that defeats me, then we will give up and we will become your slaves. But no one dares go against Goliath. Because as you know, he's quite big, three meters tall. His spear is like a Beam, wood, it's massive. They, they explain how big everything and how heavy everything is. Okay, so we're going to pick it up in verse in 1 Samuel 17 verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? <laughs> then listen to how he speaks. He's a young boy who brought food for his brothers. He's not a soldier. He's not in the army. But listen to how he speaks. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He comes in, he checks the situation, and he makes a better assessment than the soldiers. And he's actually more focused on what he can get out of this <laughs> than how scary Goliath is. Okay. Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him at the first one, as the first ones did. They are telling him that Saul promised whoever will fight Goliath and win that they will get his daughter in marriage, that their family will never need to pay taxes, okay? And there's one other thing that he promised. I can't remember now. Uh, So now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. So the way this boy is speaking is different than anyone else is speaking. They pick it up and they tell Saul. Saul calls for him. And then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. The world is trying to tell you what you can't do. David answers, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. No, David, actually you are like this. David's like, no, I'm not. Listen to my testimony. Moreover, he's not finished. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Can you sense the confidence? And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. I I can kind of go, There's no talking to this boy. Let him try. So Saul clothed David with what? His armor. The king who is doing nothing... Is now going, Okay, you go with my armor. And he put a bronze helmet on his head and also clothing with a coat of mail. It's a lot of mail. David fastened his sword. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand. Can you see that he only went with what he had? He went with what he had and what he knew, not with what someone else was trying to put on him. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. <laughs> So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine uh, cursed David by his gods. All right. So now he is offended just at the sight of David. He feels they have insulted him by sending a boy to do a man's job. And he curses him because of his offense. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And the next verse says how scared David was and that he ran away. No. David was not intimidated by a three meter guy with an assistant carrying his shield, standing there making loud sounds because he's not looking at that. Listen to this, how he replies to the curse of the Philistine. He said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day... The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, listen to this, he's taking his curse, what Philistine said, and he's turning it around. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. Listen to this people. The Philistine is coming. That David hurried and ran towards the army. To meet the Philistine. He's running towards danger. Running towards intimidation. Running. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. So that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David, so he took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that, they saw that their champion was dead, they fled. A boy kills a giant and a whole nation flees at the beginning of the story Israel is fearful because of a lack of knowledge of their true identity they are in a situation because their leader has been disobedient and even though God anointed him Saul he has lost God's blessing because of his pride and his stubbornness if you know the story of Saul you'll know that he was anointed he did okay for a while and then he started doing his own thing And God removed his anointing from Saul. Disobedience and pride has caused a top-down effect that has caused the whole of Israel's army to quiver in fear. Because they were not focused on whose people they are. Who their God is that they are in covenant with. But they were focused on the scary tactics and bombastic and obnoxious threats and curses shouted by Goliath on behalf of the enemy, the Philistines. The young David, who had been just freshly anointed by Samuel, he was still kind of shiny from the oil. He's been anointed by the last judge, Samuel, to be the next king. He's still a youth, a young boy. He coincidentally happens to come to the battlefield, sent by his dad to drop off food. When he arrives, I know that I'm repeating this, but I'm now, we've read the scripture, and now I want to point out certain things. Some of them I may be repeating, but I think it's worth repeating. When he arrives, he notices how scared the Israelites are. How Goliath is cursing the people of God, and he proceeds to find out more about what is in it for the one who beats Goliath. It's very interesting to note, as I said earlier, he seems to be caring more about what he can get out of this because he is so confident that he will beat him. He's like, well, you know, we can get rid of the Philistine and I can get something in the, mean, in the process. <laughs> he asks the, the, the army, who, he's hearing them talk about what Saul promises. Then in the midst of that, his brother st- tries to get him to go away. He ignores his brother, a naysayer, and he just turns to other soldiers and says, listen, is this true? He's getting confirmation that this is what the king promised. He is more interested in what is promised than what he needs to overcome to get the promise. Imagine a world where Christians are more focused on the glory of the kingdom of God than fighting the enemy on a daily basis. David speaks up and calls Goliath Listen to this. It's very important. He calls Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of God. That is how David looks at him and defines him. He looks at his enemy and he's able to, to exactly define who he is and what he is doing, what he stands for. The circumcision is a sign of that I am in covenant with God. The Jewish people had to circumcise their boys after the eighth day of being born as a sign of covenant between God and the people of God, which stems back to the Abrahamic covenant. So David knows I am a son of God through the covenant. Goliath is not circumcised. He's not in covenant with the living God. David and the Israelites are. But only David seems to know this and has a deep conviction that this is who I am. He knows the army belongs to God. So Goliath is first and foremost insulting and cursing God. Because when you curse and insult someone who belongs to God, you do so to God himself. Just putting it out there. David is not arrogant and prideful or posturing based on his own strength. Please note this, it's very important. His confidence, his hope, and his conviction lies squarely on God and springs from his relationship with God. When Saul hears about his, the words of, of David, he calls him and Uh, David knows that Saul has offered a prize and he just knows he can beat Goliath, although the odds seem to be stacked against him. Now we heard that whole story of uh, Saul tries to bring him to reality. He doesn't want to listen because he has a testimony. Then he wants to put his armor on him. He wants to put on David what is normal, what is acceptable, what everyone else thinks will, will work. But David shakes it off. Like that song. Shake it off. Shake it Because it's uncomfortable. And he cannot, be, he cannot be himself with it on him. People, each and every one of us, has such a unique role in the kingdom of God. With unique gifts, opportunities, and platforms that God has given us. We should not compare ourselves with other Christians and think, I need to be like that one or I need to put that on, or I need to wear that clothes, or I need to read that book, or I need to walk like that, or talk like that, or preach this way. No, you have to find out who you are in God and what He has called you for. And when someone else tries to put what they think is right on you, you must be able to discern, is this going to help or is this going to deter me from my calling? Also, what we need to know from this conversation is that our past testimonies of what God has already done in our lives is very important. And we need to remember them and remind ourselves of them. Because we so easily, when we're in a new storm or a new challenge or a new trial, we forget what God has already done. David has it in the forefront of his mind. The king of Israel is, imagine that, you're a young boy in the presence of a king. It must be a little bit intimidating. It must be a situation of like, and he he says, your servant. David is respectful towards Saul. He says, your servant, when he talks about himself. So he's standing in front of the king. There must be a posture of humility. But humility doesn't mean that you can walk all over me and tell me who I am. Because he knows who we are, who he is, he can be humble in the right way. Amen? So now, David has shaken off what someone else is trying to put on him. He is going into battle the way he knows how to. The way God has led him and already has protected him from the lion and the bear. He is met with a giant who is offended at his very existence. And who feels insulted that this little boy was sent out. David, who is much younger and physically much smaller, is not intimidated. He answers the giant with holy defiance. I want to read this again because it's so powerful. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. Think of whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're going through, whatever attack you may be experiencing. Identify what is coming at you in the physical and then you can say to that thing, you come to me with this, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven, of Israel, who you have defied. Remember that picture of that Jesus from Joshua and the Jesus from Revelation? It's him. Is on our side. And he tells him exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I knew David was a prophet, but this is impressive. <laughs> I will kill you. I will take your head off, and we will feed all of you guys to the animals. Boom. You know, I, at school, I was exposed to some trash talk on the cricket field, but this is next level. <laughs> David's confidence in the Lord, I want you to see this. His confidence in the Lord is solid. It is unmovable. And it is inspiring. As I was reading the story again, I was just like, come on, man. Yes, David, who the man? He has such a clear understanding of God's position in all of this, and he understands his role. He's not trying to be God. He's not trying to carry something that God hasn't given him to carry. He knows exactly who God is and that he has this down. But he, ha- he also knows that he has a role. David knows he comes in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. So he understands God's authority and that it's not an airy-fairy make-believe thing, but it is real power. I think too many Christians walk around believing that, you know, Yo, there's a God and when I pray it makes me feel better. But they don't really believe that there's any power in this God that they pray to. Because they focus on reality and facts. If David were to focus on reality and facts, he would drop the food and go home. But he knows who his God is. And he knows who he is. So that when someone was insulting the people of God, the God of his people, he's like, wait a minute. And his answer was not to go back to the pasture to only pray about it. There's a moment where we actually have to do something from the place of knowing who we are. And knowing who our God is. Whew, Holy Spirit. Thank you Jesus. He understands that being in covenant with God. Makes him as God's covenant son. Unstoppable. Because God is unstoppable. A covenant relationship is Both parties come in 100%, 100%. It's not a 50-50 contract. It is all in, all the time. And when you give your life to Christ, you step into the same covenant. And you can know that whatever you go into or whatever comes against you, it comes against you and your covenant partner. Amen? Amen. At the end of his speech to to Goliath, he says, us, and focuses on God's people. Even though his own brother was against him as one of the soldiers, he shows a level of maturity that helps him to discern what the bigger picture is. He could have been insulted by what his brother said to him, and been petty, and just say, okay, you guys are on your own, because apparently you don't want my help. But he doesn't. He doesn't even let it faze him. He's a youth from the field. He comes to adults in the war, and he is more mature, because he knows who his God is, and he knows who he is. Do you see that are you inspired to do the same? Because it doesn't help that you go, Amen, glory, hallelujah, but you don't do anything about it. I love the line where it says, David hurried and ran towards the enemy and pulls out a stone and kills him. It is insane. <laughs> but, but what I also see is not just that he is confident, but that he knows an element of surprise will play to his advantage. He's much faster, quicker, and he can just do that quickly. And he's got experience because he's practiced it a thousand times. He, yes, amen. He's got his 10,000 hours in and now he's coming for the enemy. All this build-up. Days of enduring this torment, and David sorts it out in an afternoon. Can you imagine? I'm the king. I'm in charge of Israel. Yes, this guy's a little annoying, but we'll just keep on holding out for 40 days. Here comes a boy and sorts it out in an afternoon. Oopsie. Do you think he was threatened much <laughs> by David's existence? Perhaps there are seasons or trials, torment and challenges in our lives that are prolonged because we do not yet have a deep revelation of how powerful our God is. Perhaps we are not in covenant with Him yet, and that's why we do not have the confidence. I want you to know, if you realize from this story that you are not in covenant with God, and maybe that's why life is tougher than it should be, or a tough season is prolonging longer than it should be, I want you to know you can step into covenant with Jesus right now. Give your life to Him, and you will be in covenant with Him, and He will be your covenant partner in everything in your life. Being in covenant with Jesus does not guarantee an easy life, in worldly terms. It does not. Jesus Himself said, if you want to follow Me, die. Pick up your cross and follow Me. Pick up your cross, die, follow Me. To your old self, to your selfish ways. That's what He means. He says, you cannot follow Me if you don't die to your selfish ways, to your ideas, But what it does promise, what I can promise you, is a life filled with God and an eternity of glory in His everlasting presence. That I can promise you. Back to the story David doesn't just stop there in hitting him with the sling, he promised him something. And he's, you know, David is a man of his word. He said he'll cut off his head. And he did so. But he didn't have a sword. So he took Goliath's sword and did the deed. Have you ever thought about that? They describe Goliath's spear as a wooden beam. The stuff that he has is huge and heavy. Imagine a three-meter-tall man. How his sword will look. They don't describe the sword in detail. But David is a youth. We've been hearing it. Ready and good looking. He just killed a giant. And he's like, oh man, I need to make good on my promise. I told him I'm going to cut his head off. What can I use? Oh, look at that. He's got a sword. Now just, I think that sword must have been at least as tall as David himself. Just imagine this, all right? He picks it up and he finishes the job. A moment ago, Saul's armor was too heavy for him. Now he's picking up a giant sword. I believe that in that moment, the spirit of the Lord was so strongly upon him that the supernatural was kicking in. And he was able to do what he promised because he was doing it on God's behalf, for God's purposes. You may be looking around you thinking that the solution to a problem, to a challenge, to a trial seems impossible for you to do or impossible to pick up and use. But I want you to know that with God, in covenant relationship with Him, when you are flowing in His will, all things are possible. Even a 14-year-old boy can pick up a giant sword and finish the job. David, making swift work of the champion of the enemy, caused the whole army of Philistines to run in fear. Do you think they were afraid of a young boy? No. They realized who is on this boy's side. And then they ran. I wish I could explain this even better because I don't know if everyone is understanding what I'm saying. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? All right. Don't just hear it and go, wow, that's a great word. I want you to go, how am I going to apply this in my life? And then actually do it. That's what I really want to see with each and every one of you. The the Philistines were worshiping Goliath. They were looking at him as their champion to fix their Israel problem. Can you see that? They have their gods, Dagon and whoever else. But in that moment, in that situation, they were trusting him, Goliath. And when the thing that they put their trust in was killed, disappeared, they lost all faith, all trust. And they were afraid. If we can take a moment and just look at this from a Another perspective, once again, I asked the question I asked last week, what are we putting our trust in? What are we really putting our trust in? Is it a savings account? Is it a credit card that is not yet maxed out? Is it that aunt that may give you an inheritance, but you're not sure? Or is it the living God with whom you stand in covenant with? And back to this story, knowing who we are, I want you to know today that the gods of our enemies are dead. They have no power. And the one who actually is their god, even when they do not realize it, is the devil. And he has already lost. Jesus is our king, and he is victorious. He has already won And we are in covenant with Him. Jesus owns all things and has authority over all things. And we are co-heirs with Him. I want to tell you today, I think it's time that we start acting like that. Acting like we know it. Like we own it. Like I know who my God is. And I know who I am. And I know the power of the covenant that I'm in when I am a born again believer. Therefore, if anything comes against me or I go into anything that God leads me into, I can know that I will have the victory. The first thing that's going to happen if you enter a difficult season is that the enemy is going to try to tell you that God is not really with you and that he can't really take care of this. Because circumstances and voices and all kinds of stuff is going to try and tell you, this is not going to work. You should never have saddled up this horse. What are you doing? Try it this way. Wear this. Do that. All these things will come your way. That is why you need to know that you know who he is and who you are. And that comes back to the basics that you will hear every Sunday from this pulpit. We don't have a pulpit. From this stage. We don't have a stage. From this voice. Spend time with God. Build your relationship with the one who created you and knows you best. You cannot find the answers that you specifically need to find about who you are and why you are here from a book. Other than the Bible and time with God. That is your first place of connection. Other things can be tools. Yes, people can help you, guide you. But if you're not spending that time in God's presence out of love for Him, it will only go so far. We're going to end off now. I want to ask us all to please stand. I want to ask you to just close your eyes. Just focus on Jesus in this moment. I want to ask a question to each and every one of you. Do you know deep down that you truly are a born again child of God? Do you know that you have a covenant relationship with Him that is so sure and so powerful that you know that you know You are covered by Him, protected by Him, led by Him, and that you are victorious because of Him. If you are not sure, please, I want to invite you to make a decision to follow Christ today. If that is any of you here today or anyone online, please put up a hand so I can see and pray with you. Is anyone here that wants to make a decision to follow Christ? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands in this space, but maybe you are just shy, and maybe there's someone online. So I'm going to ask that we all pray this together. Lord Jesus, today I choose to make you Lord of my life. Thank you for dying on a cross, for defeating death and the devil on my behalf and for preparing a place in heaven for me. I accept that. I believe that. And today I choose to step into relationship with you And to give my life to you. No longer my will be done. But your will be done. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. Last thing. If you are battling a Goliath of any kind right now in your life. Whether it be illness or finances. The death of a loved one. A big disappointment a media storm, whatever it might be. I want you to take a note from David. Approach the throne of grace with confidence and move with that confidence into whatever you are facing, knowing that your God has given you the victory. And pray for discernment. When does the time where I only pray and only spend time with you come to an end? And when is that moment, Lord, where I actually need to do something in this physical realm by your leading? I don't want all of you to go and be cowboys and Davids. We have to do this in wisdom, but there will be a point where God says, move And you need to know when that is. And you need to know what it is that you need to do. And maybe you need to be like David and say to the enemy, say to the circumstances, say to the battle that you're in, you are coming to me with this. I am coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts of heaven's armies. And now now I am going to do this and this and this to you and you will end. And you prophesy over that problem in the name of Jesus because that's the inheritance we have as covenant partners with the living God. Amen? Do you agree? Wonderful. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, Holy God, Father of lights, (laughs) Creator of the universe, You are love, You are truth, and we love You, Lord. Lord, I pray right now for each and every one here and online and listening to this later, that you will meet with them right now where they are in their situation, whatever that might be, whatever giant they are facing. I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you will help them to supernaturally know that they are covered, protected, and in you in covenant and from that position can move through whatever challenge it might be. I pray for that peace and that rest that goes above all understanding to come upon them. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray that. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.